0: Hey! uh, Hey! All right, live from (laughs) Brooklyn. It's it's the Daniel Baldwin show. I'm Paulie. I'm Daniel is coming in right now. It's brought to you by Planet Fitness. (laughs) Here we go.
1: Off to a gangbuster start
2: here, live from
3: Brooklyn. There he is. (laughs)
2: Yeah, baby. Better late than never. I always say. Joshie Josh in studio are you fired up as I am right now me
1: fired up I, I rarely get fired up unless i've uh, eaten some hot tacos otherwise i'm uh, I'm pretty mediocre why are you How fired you up
2: not be f- i'm fired up at the proposition you know i I, I, I may even have a quatrain here as Noster Daniel later in the show I have seen I went up in the room I threw the dust in the bowl and you will not believe what came out today oh I'm excited I'm excited <laughs> You will not you you will you will not. I see. See. Is that to some
0: him. weird euphemism for something? <laughs>
2: oh my God! No. This dinner was let, good let, last let, night. Let, 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 me, let me just tell you something. Let me just say. Let me. Let me start with. So we drive down. We rent the big machine. We get Paulie. We we meet. Paulie comes out and he loads up a suit into the back of the truck. And I go, Paulie, a suit. This is like an oxymoron. What are you doing with a suit? He goes, bro. Didn't you read the email? The great ones having a dinner tonight. You have to have a jacket on for the suit. I bought nothing. <laughs> I bought all the sports paraphernalia and all these sports outfits. I'm going to change three times a day mid show. I think I'm on. I'm you know I'm I'm on the runway this 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 morning. So I don't realize I have to go now. I want you to think about this for a minute. So I go and I say, am I going to go in in Brooklyn and find a store that's going to sell me a suit and spend, you know, I know me. So I'm going to spend $2,000 on a suit that I'm going to want to keep. Or am I going to buy it, wear it, and then return it, which I'm not going to have time to do. So I go, you know what? It's New York City. The thrift stores here, you can buy, you know, an Oscar de la Renta suit for $25 that someone got rid. So I go, I'm going that way. I'm going to go get a jacket. Now, I want you to think about this. I go in. And I find a jacket, a beautiful jacket. It was like an Emilio Pucci Italian. It must have been, you know, five, six hundred dollars easily. When when the guy who who's now in the ground left it for me to buy for twenty bucks, I'm looking at pants, and I, I can't. There's no fitting room. I have to eye it up. So I'm looking in the section. They're not, and I'm trying to read on the inside of the label, and I can't. So I turn around. And I, I can't see size on them. So I'm looking at them, holding them up to me, and I'm down to two pairs of pants. I pick the one pair of pants. No try-on. I take them to the front. I get in the car. And on the inside of the pants, embroidered in stitching, what does it say?
4: Anyone? Famous Famous actor name.
2: It says Baldwin. What? In the pants. Etched in the pants. So the great one says, no, wait. I said, so last night I shot a video. And I said, I did not lie to you. And I panned down. And in the inside of the pants, along the right hip. It says Baldwin in stitching.
0: Is it any chance a relative of yours?
2: You know, maybe back when Alec was fatter
0: or something, he turned <laughs> these into the
2: Goodwill or mm-hmm. something. I don't know. But I kid you not, in the pants it said Baldwin. So I wore the Baldwin pants. How did they and fit? And the, the mojo, they fit perfectly. And the mojo the mojo thing started kicking on. my Are, are we destined to do something really crazy here at this ACC tournament? Is it, is it destiny, Josh? Well, Paulie a has one. a story we'll of later. the
1: last time he went down there, he for, he didn't realize they'd go as far as they did, so he, he ran out of clothes like a couple of oh, yeah. times ago. The, the,
0: year, <laughs> the year Jerry McNamara went on that miracle run in the uh, Big East tournament, I packed for two days, like, okay, they could beat Cincinnati. They're not beating the number one team in the country, UConn. They beat... They beat UConn, so I'm out shopping for underwear and ties <laughs> and shirts for the rest of the week because you can't do the uh, the
2: in the sink, you know, uh, w-
0: with a little soap and hang them up. <laughs> I just to
2: see you walk into Paulie's room with clothes all hanging around. So, so wait, I got to tell you about the drive down. So, so I'm shooting videos and we're posting it, and, and and I've I've uh, tagged you in a few of them. But here's a great moment: we're coming over the bridge, and Paulie goes, "Hey." I think the Statue of Liberty is down there He goes, I think the Statue of Liberty So we look over to the right and there's the beautiful, majestic Statue of Liberty. He goes, You know, when my family came over, they went through the Statue of Liberty and I looked at him I went, No, Polly, that would be Ellis Island. Yeah. They went through, they go, the Statue of Liberty. They went by the Statue He goes, No no, my grandfather landed and went through the, st- to the, the new export aisle that they have. You know, the, 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 He had an easy pass, and he went through the statue. I go, no, that's Liberty Island. And that, no, no. And so, of course, to prove this wrong, I had
0: to Google it for him
2: and give him this valuable history. I, How I, was I, the drive pr- down? I
0: prefaced it by saying I'm ignorant.
2: The the drive down, you know what what's nice about taking a drive with someone, you can work with them, you can do, but it, you know, you, you're you're forced into a situation where you're either going to play music and knock off, and we laughed the whole way down. It was great to learn more about Paulie and learn more about his family. But we we, we have some video stuff that we can't even post <laughs> that was just so off the chain of other characters that we met. And we did. The, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the 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 new Galaxy Scholarship Communications. I did that see had. that. Galaxy People are very excited about that. Program. You know what? That kid—he was—he was so, su- such a nice boy. And you know, it was—I uh, think it probably his first job. It was, it was, it was the, his first day it was at the, the job. It was the first day at the job, and his first sandwich he ever made. So he—he he was this big, big kid. So he says, "Well, what would you like on your sandwich?" And I said. Uh, you know what, let's, let's get some pickles. So he claws with a giant paw, probably 600 pickles. <laughs> All right, so he doesn't know that you do the the Subway one pickle in a row and drops the entire mound in the middle of the sandwich and then just starts caking it with sauces and stuff on there. They can't, it, it, it was absolutely brilliant. So I had a steak sandwich on one end, a steak sandwich on the other, and then a cucumber in the middle. <laughs> It was perfect but uh, but I overheard him say that he's going to he's going to save some money because he really wants to listen to his music and buy this headset at uh, at Walmart and that uh, and so I had tipped him a big tip be, because he just you know he, he had to come and he was he needed that and uh, and then when I heard that I thought to myself you know what I'm going to establish now the Galaxy Communications Scholarship Program where we, we make some small reality for somebody come true you know, And I walked out of there, and it's those types of things that you can do for somebody else that really just make you feel good about and grateful about where we are in our lives you know, and what we have to offer, how special it is to live in central New York amongst people that really care about themselves and, and care about their community and stuff. So when you have a chance to do something like that, you know, it's really my privilege and my honor to be able to make that kid smile like that. It was really fun. It was a, it was a fun, fun day, fun drive, man. Did you ever I'm get excited to-, to be down here. Did you ever get to feed uh, Polly any
1: snacks? I saw you were trying to feed him snacks on some of those videos.
2: Well, well, so, you know, because Miss Robin gets involved in the trip. So she's got the, you know, hermetically sealed ba- bag that, you know, re- retains all, you know, uh, uh, moisture and keeps things cold. So she puts in... Uh, you know, avocados and with a knife and a spoon and salt shakers and pepper. And she's got, you know, all this healthy stuff. And then here's Pauly, you know, who's like a Taco Bell whore. You know, so he, he, he's he got not only that, but the great thing about it is we're on the, the, the 81 coming down, which is, you know, a, a huge thoroughfare with gas stations and eateries on every exit you go. I take, I take my eye off the wheel for one second in the passenger seat to take a snooze. And I get out, and we're on some wilderness trail, practically four wheel. And I go, Polly, where are we going? He goes, We've got to get gas. I go, Where are we? You know, we're on our way to the, the town of Hope in New Jersey or something. And, and, and it's like, you know, the signs, you know, miles to get to the gas station. I go, You couldn't have pulled off the one where you see the Sunoco <laughs> sign right there? Like, no, we went to Hope. That's where we went. And it was a beautiful trip. What a town! Gotta love the city of Hope. Man.
1: How's the uh, hotel? You love
2: the gas station. The hotel is man. You, you, you should have come down. I'm telling you, it's uh, we're sitting we're a picturesque view of the Brooklyn Bridge and the Manhattan skyline. Uh, uh, it's really, it's really beautiful. The dinner last night was uh, <laughs> uh, a, really a quality meal at the was it the Riverfront River Cafe? The River Cafe it was called. Uh, so much so that I got up and went and asked to sit, tell the chef, you know, because people will take the time to complain in a restaurant. Whenever you know, I wanted to let him know what a class operation the food, the service. It was it was really impeccable. Thank God I didn't get the bill. Did Paulie that, embarrass did, himself? We, <laughs> the bill, no, Paulie did not. But he held his own very good. really well. Got really to tell well. a
0: couple of stories.
2: He did. Paulie was right in there. Got some char- laughs, charming everybody. He, he 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 did a great job. You know. And now we're on. Now we're on the broadcast, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sam, the man of Cunningham, Fortier, sitting to my right, our Syracuse basketball expert. Let's get right into it for a minute, guys. We're gonna we're gonna face Wake. We've split with them, home and home. Uh, it's obviously a must-win. Uh, I honestly have to tell you, I think we're gonna kill them. I do. I have a strange feeling we're gonna beat them by twenty. We're just gonna beat the crap out of Wake. What do you think, Sam?
4: I think it's going to be closer than that. It's also going to be uh, dependent on whether or not Wake is on from from three-point range. They're a really good offensive team. They hit six consecutive threes in the second half uh, in Syracuse, even though Syracuse held them off because of Tyus Battle's career-high 34 points. But if they're on today from three, I think it's going to be a really close game. Wow, Paulie. I agree with
0: you. I tend to agree with you. They got fluky towards the end with their threes. The game they lost in Winston-Salem, they gave up threes at the very end of the game. I, I, if they have that issue again, then they deserve to lose. They shouldn't be giving up three-pointers to Wake Forest add in the third go-around, and I think they're going to blow them out. They got a big man, too, that they high-loaded the hell out of them in Winston-Salem when they beat them, which opened up the three points, uh, three-point shots. so... Uh, but I, I tend to agree with you. Syracuse will have their – I say they play ten times, Syracuse beats them seven times. So,
2: Josh, you got any opinion
0: on the game? I think it's going to be an awkward show tomorrow if they don't
1: win because you guys will still be down in Brooklyn and uh, there will be no real game to talk about. So <laughs> I hope that they do Go win Go SU tonight. football. Yeah, right? I hope they
2: do win. <laughs> Go SU football, baby. Spring training and here we are. <laughs> now, you know uh, – it, it's funny cuz we had a couple of the coaches on earlier in, on the uh Lee, the Gomez and Lisa show and when you look at a game that you, that you're you're in and 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 we were in in the first half and and into the second half against some pretty big teams this year you know it was it was it wasn't like we didn't play with Kansas for a while it wasn't like we didn't play with other teams but eventually they got the the better part of us and and we lost a couple of them uh, this season that we, we could have and should have probably won. Uh, certainly, you know, North Carolina, who would be our second opponent, we were well in that game, and at a 70-70 late in the game, uh, we had a turnover and made some poor choices in how we handled the ball. But you have to remember something, too. This is one of those teams that in the Syracuse team that when you look at how they've lost... We, and you look at the shooting percentage alone, remember that if a guy comes down from another team and is wide open and you don't transition on the, on the zone to him, and that, this one corner against us we've been very, very susceptible from, and guys seem to target this position to shoot from us because we're late on the rotation or the center has to get out all the way from the paint to prevent this shot from the corner. You take away two of those hits and make two more that we made, and you've won the game by eight. You know, what I mean, in, in some of these close games. So the question is, is this one of those teams in Syracuse that if they up their shooting percentage even ten points, that they're not going to go on a run? I mean, they they could really go on a run right now if they if they if they're a little
0: better shooting percentage wise.
2: I and I, I I have a strange feeling. I've got that weird feeling.
0: I'm going to be an optimist too for a second, which I rarely am, and say, "I got to brace is, yourself." Yeah, everyone. I was going to say, <laughs> Syracuse, like like in the baseball playoffs, pitching rises to the top. If you've got good pitching in the playoffs, it doesn't matter in the regular season. One-game scenarios. Guard play in tournaments wins tournaments. And if you get good shooting out of battle, Frank Howard, I think Syracuse will be fine. I really do. And they've got a, a path in this ACC tournament to possibly... They couldn't ask for a better one. North Carolina can't guard them. Wake Forest isn't great, you know, and they've already beaten Miami right once. So it would be, it would be a good, it would be a good
4: path for them, and that could get them into the tournament. The two things they have going against them they've they've lost the last four in Barclays Center, and no team that since the ACC tournament became a five day tournament in 2014, no team has won on the first day of the tournament. And then one on the second day of the tournament. Well, young Sam, that's, that's ten. Allow me that's to 10 talk teams.
0: to you about history of Syracuse University <laughs> of basketball. Yes, <laughs> please do. I, I'm, I'm not never, saying it's it, going to happen. I'm just I'm saying not, I'm odds not, are against. I'm them. not going to say they'll win the tournament. That'd be ludicrous. But there's this team called Syracuse University that did the same thing in the Big East tournament when it went to that many days. So, but that was a different team. So
2: yeah, I just, I just there's also something about. Uh, um, being able to rise to the occasion, you know, in, in those right moments or peak at a certain moment. So, I mean, we blow it against Boston College, which is why we're having this bubble conversation, because had we beat them and we beat Clemson, as I said, I thought we would. Um, then, I, then I think we're already probably in the tournament. I, I, I think so. So let's identify the fact that we're playing for our tournament life right now, for sure. And I don't believe that a victory against Wake Forest, no matter how big, puts us in the tournament at all. We have to beat North Carolina. So if that get, if we get another, you know, top-ranked team victory, I think we're in the tournament but, but with those two wins, coupled with the Clemson win at the end of the season. So we ha- we have to win. We have to win, for sure.
4: Right, so two you two you think would be enough? Because I've I've heard and seen people saying three might be the number there. I you know I don't I don't buy that, and I'll tell you why. Because of the way
2: they do this quadrant thing now, i um, beating Wake is not going to qualify, but beating North Carolina would be a big shoot in the arm, and that would mean that in your last three games you beat two nationally ranked teams, and those are both quadrant run wins. So I think that. Um, uh, we we're on we beyond the bubble still, but I think that the tournament election committee will will take into consideration too the fact if we beat Carolina this late in the year, that's a team you want in the tournament, somebody that can actually beat a big team. That makes it exciting, you know. So uh, I I would be really surprised if we beat Wake and beat North Carolina and did not get in. I would be really. Surprised. I don't think it requires a third win. We're gonna uh, go to break from the big show where we have. Uh, a legendary uh, um, man coming onto the show with us who's going to give his opinion, probably more learned than any of us. Uh, Matt Park will join us right after this break.
1: ACC tournament coverage on ESPN Radio Syracuse is brought to you by IBEW NECA, Burdick Lexus, and Planet Fitness.
5: This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, live from Brooklyn,
2: Brought to you by Planet Fitness. <clears throat> hey now, we're back on the big show here live from uh, the ACC tournament down in Brooklyn. Uh, joining us now uh, is Matt Park. Matt, um, a couple of things we were talking about before uh, you joined us. And, um, you know, we have Wake Forest. And obviously a lot of people on their minds are getting eligible for the tournament, being on the bubble uh, we've had a couple people say they think that we need to win three games. My opinion, after a Clemson win, uh, is that we need to beat Wake and we need to beat North Carolina, and I believe that puts us in the NCAA tournament.
6: I agree with that. Uh, I, certainly, winning three games doesn't hurt, but uh, you know you don't. You're only strengthening your uh, pitch from there. You know, if you first of all, to me, it's pretty cut and gr- cut and dried. You lose tonight, forget about it. You win these next two. You know, you're, you've got twenty-one wins, uh, ten against a major conference opponent, uh, in the you know ten in this this particular conference, the ACC. Two wins against top twenty teams. Uh, it's not. I don't think that's like a super strong claim. Like it's you know, to me, I would feel pretty good about it. Would I say lock? No, but um, you know, obviously, if you can go beyond that, and the next the team you play after North Carolina is going to be ranked as high or higher, uh, but. Uh, I think they're I think they're okay. I think the the biggest thing going for the Syracuse team is yes they've kicked away a handful of games, but there's no unsightly loss. There's no uh, getting pounded by St. John's. There's um, a couple of the games that uh, kept last year's team uh, out of the tournament, and the the complete absence of uh, for the most part wins away from home last year. Uh, Syracuse had just two. You know this year they've uh, been able to rack up a few, and I don't think any of them are you know super impressive you know winning at miami and louisville are okay they don't have the you know top 10 win that last year's team had a couple of but uh, i I think they'd be in pretty good shape with two wins here
2: you know um when i look in years past because i think the key word here is that they're being invited you know there's not a criteria by which says an exact science you do not qualify because you lost to this team at this time so with that said there is something about the timing of those wins and a team that is that is peaking, so by beating Clemson and then you take wake and then if you were to beat Carolina now you 've beat two nationally ranked teams in the last three games going into the tournament and that, I believe that that 's on their mind you know they they want teams i don 't think when they invite Syracuse if they do. They invite them saying they're going to win the Final Four, you know, or they're going to get yeah. to the Final Four. I think what they're looking at is can they in the second game or whatever beat somebody big? Do they have the potential to do that? So I think the timing of these wins does play into their consideration. Well,
6: the selection committee are human beings, and we can talk about all these numbers, and Sam's got the uh, team sheet and all that stuff in, in front of him, And they try to boil it down to black and white as a, a, something to lean on and be able to come back and then spit out the numbers, and this was our justification for our selection. But... They're humans. The end-of-season performance is not officially a criteria anymore as it used to be. They used to uh, really hold up. This is what the team did in the last 10 games. There's lots of reasons that they buried that. But just in human nature, exactly what you said. You want teams that are hot. You want teams that are playing their best ball at the end of the year. You want teams that you think are capable of winning. I think each individual person that's on that committee is somewhere on the spectrum of the bent toward major conference teams versus the little guy. You know, how much of a bleeding heart are you for St. Mary's, who lost last night in their conference semifinals? They've had a pretty good year. Nobody here could name a single player on their team, or maybe not their coach or whatever, but they've been kind of ranked, and now there might not be room for them to get in. BYU, if they somehow upset Gonzaga, well, you got to put Gonzaga in, and BYU would be in, and that'd be two out of that conference. St. Mary's would be out. The. the when it comes to a Syracuse or a major conference team that might not have had a a super season, they're capable of winning games in the tournament more so than a St. Mary's or whatever. That's what, you know, when Syracuse just snuck in in 2016, they then were capable of beating teams, including a top seed Virginia, and they get to the final four. Uh, To me, if I were, you know, a committee member, I would, uh, you know, people would would claim bias toward the, the major schools, but I would want to put teams in the tournament that I felt like could create competitive games, and and I don't know that uh, you know rounding up for somebody out of the Missouri Valley, just to make a, an extreme example, um, is a great course, and I think that benefits uh, teams like Syracuse in the long run. Notre Dame's another one. You know, Notre Dame to me is the most interesting test case that happen right now to have a, a same conference record as Syracuse and and uh, a record one game below overall, with a huge extenuating circumstance, the loss of their best player for a good part of the season. Who's,
2: ba- who's back he this is, game, is yeah. he not?
6: And dominated. You know, came back, and they, uh, of course it was against Pittsburgh in their, their last game of the regular season, and he had a, a double double or close and, and, uh, and off and running. I mean, that was obviously a show of strength for them, and they might be able to, uh, to do that when they get here um, in, in New York. And if they, they win a couple here, they're, they're strengthening their case.
2: And, and do you think that because of the number of teams that would come in from the ACC – um, do you think that that would be that uh, uh, would hurt Syracuse if 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 they if Notre they, they say away? the
6: committee doesn't pay any attention to what conference you're in when they're putting teams together and talking about you know they don't count up and say oh that's eight that's too many it needs to be seven there and four over here um, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that but that, that does bring in head to head type things you know if it comes down to Syracuse and, and Notre Dame and they more or less have the same credentials. Notre Dame beats Syracuse and has a pretty good excuse for a lot of their losses, then you know maybe they get the edge. Same thing, their full team together lost to Ball State early in the year. They're yeah, Syracuse- baby, my alma mater. <laughs> Syracuse doesn't have a loss like that. You know, so um, it, it largely is crapshoot. We, we did this alumni event last night in, in Manhattan where a professor from the Falk School gets up and spits out all these numbers about how the committee works and blah, 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 and how to predict your in the, the day, you got to beat the guy across from you. To me, it's right in front of Syracuse. They they lose to Wake. You got no claim for anything. You beat Wake. I don't know how easy you sleep if you beat Wake and lose to North Carolina. You beat both of them. You're you're more in the tournament than out. It should be okay.
2: In all the years that you've been doing this, I've been talking about this now for a few days, and one of the things that I think actually works, you know, you, you would never want to say your team's inexperience. Works to your advantage, but in this particular scenario, the fact that there's so many freshmen and sophomores on this team, and there's not a lot of junior and senior leadership that's on the floor playing, can that play into their advantage? Because they they just don't have any idea what they're really. No, you don't think so. I I don't know. I don't.
6: I don't view that as a positive necessarily. Um, You know, one of the biggest spots here where where the newcomers came up small at Duke, they got crushed. You know, O'Shea Brissett had his, his worst game in the conference schedule. Marek Dolezal wasn't ready to go. That doesn't inspire me along the lines of what you're saying. Oh, they're freshmen. They're going to go out and they don't know. I don't think they'll feel a lot of pressure here in general. It's not because they're what class they're in. To me, you talk about what changes with the tournament setting. This might be the first time where you really notice the deal of the best players playing 40 minutes every game. If they have, to, how much are they really going to end up the tank if they have to play Thursday? You know, if you're playing on Friday, forget it, you know, Don't worry about it. I mean, if you're playing on Friday, you're already in the tournament. But for sure, because you would have won three games here. But uh, you know, I think to, I think tomorrow. Yeah, I don't think so, Circus have much trouble with Lake for us tonight. Tomorrow, that's bouncing back with three guys that are going to play forty minutes tonight, more than likely. And if you beat North Carolina, you probably don't have a lot of worries. But then now you're going to bring them back a third day. Uh, those guys, I think that's where you're going to start to see that uh, be an issue a little bit. Yeah, cross that bridge when you come to it.
2: Paulie,
0: he's a- here. I'm exhausted just thinking about playing 40 minutes of basketball <laughs> 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 for three nights a game. But I, uh, I don't see this team struggling tonight. And I, I'm like Matt. I don't like playing the guess where they're going to end up game until it actually happens. But this, I I don't know if Matt agrees with me but I, I will ask him this uh guard play wins games and tournaments and and they've got two pretty good guards do you see that helping them maybe make a potential run here Yeah and in this I mean I don't
6: know about this one or the next one, this one but uh you know potentially it's a guard oriented team I mean that doesn't you know the the, the next two teams they're playing both have big dudes that can do stuff. I mean, Darrell Moore had sixteen points and sixteen rebounds in the, in the game of the Dome. He's a load. He's seven one and two hundred and eighty pounds. Syracuse has no answer for that. So to the largest extent that they throw it into him and the game is played under the basket and by the front court, that's not great for Syracuse. Wick is not gonna shoot lights out like they did in the in the Dome. They they had a great shooting game the next game and then they haven't followed it up in the the month since. So that's why right. those are all the reasons I don't think they'll have a, a ton of trouble with Wake. They should have beaten him twice in the regular season, let alone let alone, alone. so close to it. You know, you, you lose sight of the fact that the, the tandem of Frank Howard and Tyus battle is pretty much as good a one two as there is for on any team in the country. Period. And so when they they could line up against just about anybody and have at least hold their own or have a strength in that area if those guys both both play well. So if they get into the tournament I could see them you know, doing some things, but they also have significant limitations, <laughs> you know, and it, those will be uh, highlighted, too.
2: What is the reluctance? You know, as I've watched them, and, you know, a, a major portion of the load falls on Howard, uh, Battle, and uh, Brissette. Um, but what is the reluctance of this Dolezal kid from, to shoot the ball? Is he is he just n- not allowed? I mean, uh, no,
6: he's definitely allowed. I mean, they, they get kid's like
2: 28 for 30. For, you know, <laughs> he's got some crazy number that he shot. That his shooting might set. be just a little okay, bit uh, off. No, literally, it's like 22 for 31 or something like that for the season. I mean, he's got no. some. No. All right. I'm no. looking up. We're Googling. I'll I don't we're have Googling.
6: I, well, I mean, okay, 31. So he took one shot a game. You know what I mean? Right, but so that's what but but still yeah. the
2: weird thing is is that he can he can play and I but and what I'm noticing is even when because I'm,
6: I'm when I'm thinking I'm thinking jump shot I'm thinking 15 footers he's not you know but, but when he's
2: open he's not shooting he just doesn't shoot he's a
6: much better he's an okay foul shooter he gets shots because they don't defend him they don't they leave and him alone he hitches and you know what it's a mental block of some sort Hitch. you know what do you mean tell, tell he t- hesitates he gets the ball and he hesitates yeah he you know does. and he then t- and then there's a couple times where he just Wants no part of the ball or wants to be somewhere else. You know. Can you teach uh, that? I mean, well, I think they're work. I know they're working with him on his shot mechanics. I think there's a difference between the way he approaches a free throw when everything's calm and you're lined up at the basket and nobody's on you, but in the heat of the you know the flow of play. Now he gets it, and it's a, it's a different animal. He's an excellent passer. Um, if they had better shooters, I think you would think Marek was a even more of an offensive contributor. Right now I think of him as a scrapper, a disruptor, uh, a guy you want on your team because he chases loose balls and gets rebounds. Um, if they had, you know, Andrew White or anybody, Elijah Hughes for that matter, if they could just have somebody camped out on the on the perimeter when they basically kind of back off of Marek, if he can find the, the right guy to distribute to, and that guy makes a shot once in a while, you'd think, wow, this guy's a really good, really good offensive threat. Uh, right now, they don't have the guy that you just throw it to and he knocks
0: down a three. You know, right.
6: because as good as Howard and Battle are, that's not their strength.
0: He's fifty-three of one hundred and five. He's shooting fifty percent from the field. Pretty, that's got to be the highest on the team. No, no. It, I mean, it, obviously,
6: Chukus. Chukus sixty-four. It's you know, right under the basket, but right. you know, and and that and had his share of, share of layups. The, the thing is, I would call Dolisai. I mean, Dolishai's kind of a an in betweener the the you look at the guys the 40 minute players they're shooting 40 percent from the field you know and you you need to have your guards shooting 45 you know uh tyus battle 41 percent frank howard 39 percent um takes you back to they're rare but brandon trish was a guard that shot over 50 percent from the field because you know he was okay as a three-point shooter and he made a lot of two-point field goals (laughs) these guys um it's just been hard you know the, the creating the offense has been uh, a real ordeal uh for this team this year in part because they don't just throw it into the big fella and you know they he gets what he can get uh, off the offensive glass
2: yeah like I, I've, been, I've been preaching and I'll, and I'll continue to preach it because i'm going to have them hire me as the coach for chuk uh,
7: okay. and, and they're
2: calling me coach kane because every time that kid takes that ball below his chest, I'm going to smash him on the side with yeah. a cane, and he'll learn. Yeah. Don't drop that ball, because you know he doesn't have it. The same thing I'm trying to point out a little bit about uh, Maresh, um, and that is that he 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 gets the ball, and his first reaction is not to put it straight up. Yeah. You know, and when you're seven foot two. Man, if I'm 7'2", I'm going to the rack when I get the yeah. ball in the paint.
6: Well, I would say every coach since they put up the peach basket has said the same thing. That, that's the problem. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So uh, it's easier easier said than done. It comes down to physical strength. It comes down to comfort on the floor and in your surroundings. And, um, you know, they lo- they lost a game because of it, right? The NC State game, he was out 20 feet from the basket, not in a position where he's going to turn around and put a shot up and <clears throat> cough it up ball game. Yeah, you know, so that that's the type of thing that you, you look back. This team doesn't make the tournament. You're going to look back at four or five games. and go, are you, are you kidding me? You know, yeah, game, games. We were definitely
2: matter. poised to make a run at it yeah. a couple of times, and uh, I, particularly, I'm always going to look back at the Boston College loss, and, and and that was a bad loss. You know, they didn't seem like they were they were really focused that day, and, and we ended up losing by 15 when we had a lead. Uh, let's go to break. Let's come back with more with uh, uh, Matt Park.
5: Follow us on Twitter, ESPN Syracuse, ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. No sleep till! This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, live from Brooklyn, brought to you by Planet Fitness.
6: Tell me you could have been like a beastie boy. You know
2: and it's funny that you say that because I used to I grew up on Long Island, I spent a lot of time in the city as a kid telling my parents I was staying over at a friend's house and we'd jump on the Long Island Railroad and go party in the city <laughs> at fourteen. <laughs> and so um, I went and saw some of the legendary at the Beacon Theater and different places, rap musicians in the 70s when it was nothing. No one paid any attention to it. And I'd be the only white guy in there and seeing Curtis Blow. and Bob. Busy B. And I, and I came home and I said to my friend Craig McCarthy, I go, dude, think about it. We should start a white rap band. I go, no one was doing it. No one's doing it yet. And he goes, <laughs> no one's going to do that with you. What are you, crazy? I'm, I'm serious. And the Beastie Boys four years later come out and they take off. I could have been a Beastie Boy. I could have been a Baldy Boy. Yeah, Baldy Boy, that would have been the good. Baldy Boys, all four of my brothers? Me and my brothers? <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, the Baldi the boy. Beastie Boys are a of sweet jams.
0: Why? Yeah, so
2: predi- pr- predictions. I want to hear predictions right now. What do we, what, uh, give me, What's what, I think we're going to kill them tonight. Really tonight like. is Circus uh, 71, Wake
6: four sixty-two.
2: 62. You got nine points. Yeah, I, got, I think they're going to kill, I think they're going to beat them like, by 17, 18. I really do. I think they're going to Could them. happen.
6: Wake's got nothing to play for. They're not playing great.
2: You know. Gonna fold up their tents.
4: When the athletic director is saying, "Yeah, you know, we took a detour this season, but uh, the future's bright." That's, uh, that's not a good sign for right. going into the tournament. <laughs> that's
2: trying to keep some of the boosters around.
6: <laughs> detour sounds like driving around here.
4: Yeah,
2: it is, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I honestly think that boys to make a little run right now. I do, I do. I think they're going to make a run at it.
0: Do you, uh, do you think uh, Tyus Battle's got the ability to put a team on his back? Uh, to a degree. Like, although he has, he's done it all season. Yeah, I was going to say he's carried.
6: <laughs> um, he is equipped more than most players, if you look, to take over games for 12- for or 15-minute stretches. We've seen that. I, absolutely, he could do, do something like that. I do think if you look at his performance for the season, he's had a couple of dips here and there. It's been hard. It's so hard for this team to score. When you don't have the jump shooters that they've had over time, and benefited from a lot of things that have worked, you know, that you're re- remembering in your mind from, from various tournament runs and whatever. Th- those things aren't here right now. So, you know, are you saying can he drive it to the basket six times in a row? Because <laughs> that's uh, going to be a lot of what it is, get to the free throw line. But, uh, but absolutely, I think, you know, I think they have a core of three players that are as, as good as anybody else's core of three players. And, you know, to me it, it comes down to the supporting cast. Do they help or hurt?
2: I think I think um, they've they've been pretty consistent defensively. I really do think though it's going to come down to, and you can look at. It, we're going to go with the the Sam method and just look at the scoreboard at the end of the day and say what was their shooting percentage. If they shoot the ball a higher percentage than they've averaged this season, they can beat anybody. They really can, um, you know. So uh, uh, now it's def-
6: all neutral floors, you know, the rest of the way. That's very G- generally speaking. I mean, you know, maybe you wind up in some sort of fluky. Scenario in the in the tournament where you're playing, you know, near somebody's backyard or something, but. Uh...
2: Struggled.
6: That's not on the schedule the rest of the way.
2: No, no, we definitely, I think there's a a loyal Syracuse following here. I think that even people from New York that might not normally go to a college game, the the outsiders that are going to come to see the excitement of the tournament, you're going to find people migrate to the Orange too because they're a New York team. You know, so so we may have that as a little plus factor, but I I think the bottom dollar is going to be what's Syracuse's three point shooting percentage and how often do we get to the rack to create fouls and and, and disrupt things. Uh, I think that's going to boil down to that, and I think they're I think they're going to make a little run, Paulie. I'm telling you, I got this weird feeling.
0: I, I hope you're right, and I want to ask Matt one one broadcasting question.
7: Uh,
2: uh,
1: We're having some technical difficulties here with the Daniel Baldwin Show in the ACC tournament, so we'll hit some spots, hopefully get things reset and come back. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Don't miss the Upstate Lacrosse Show. This and every Saturday at 9 a.m.
5: Hosted by Syracuse University four-time All-American Rick Beardsley and News Channel 9 Sports Director Stephen Fonti, Covering men's and women's college, club, pro, and high school lacrosse teams from Central New York. Expert analysis, guest interviews, and previews of upcoming matchups. It's the Upstate Lacrosse Show. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on ESPN 97.7 FM. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, live from Brooklyn, brought to you by Planet Fitness.
2: Hey now, and we are back. We were right in the middle of a poll. You repeat your question for the great Matt Park.
0: All right, well, Matt, you and I have been doing a lot of these. Your Syracuse fans will like this. Your favorite uh, tournament call or <laughs> moment in the conferences.
6: Well, to me... I- It's the same answer all the time, but you know, and it's kind of, whether it's conference tournament or not, some of the best overall memories are the, uh, you know, 2009, the uh, six overtime game against Connecticut is just completely unmatched, you know, well, I've been to a million sporting events, there's nothing quite like that one, that just kept going on and on and on, and the the various uh, twists and turns in it, and the way it built over the course of the night uh, in the Garden, you know, game, it didn't start till 9 o'clock to begin with, uh, let alone carrying, uh, we signed off at you know quarter two in the morning and just kind of an epic uh epic night and a great memory and then the other one as it more pertains to what we're talking about here is jerry mcnamara's uh run in the 2006 big east tournament um he was on the back page of the new york city tabloids like three days out of four for uh hitting game winning shots uh beating cincinnati and and connecticut back-to-back days on uh you know buzzer beaters basically you know and uh you know that's the type of thing that that makes these conference tournaments fun and i think you know that could happen at any other time and they're kind of due for you know a run like that or, or memories like that and, and to have not won an acc tournament game yet uh you know that's a little bit of a gap in the in the program so to speak and it's something that i think they can get accomplished uh, this week
2: you know i love when you when you uh when you hear people and, and it's not a series that's the exciting thing about the playoffs and the in the uh Uh, National Football League or in these types of college basketball events because you can get on a run and you know when you look at uh, uh, the Super Bowl shuffle Chicago Bears and they're heading down to Tampa on the late Monday night game when they've won 14 games one fumble one kickoff return and an interception three plays and you're up 21 nothing on the road and that happened to them. So would they beat if they played, you know, that, that legendary team played Tampa Bay? Nine out of ten times. But you can get on a run in an event like this, you know, and, and, and really put it to somebody if the cylinders all click and the right situation happens. This the, the idea that Syracuse University can't roll into Duke and beat Duke and Cameron? No, we didn't do it this year. Can they? Well, the season before... They were nationally ranked, and we took them down to a last shot and won the game. You could beat anybody on any given day in this type of format.
6: And look, the season hasn't gone quite the way everybody hoped. And whatever, it's going to be great next year. And blah blah blah. This isn't little sisters of the poor. This isn't right, it's not, right. a, not a huge, you know, plucky underdog. And you know that was kind of we all said that in uh, tongue and cheek. When they you know snuck into the tournament as a whatever it was ten, nine or ten seed in in, in 2016 It was 11 seed wasn't it?
0: No, I think they were or 10. 10. Doesn't matter, 10. but
6: it was it was higher than Syracuse typically is. Played uh, Dayton uh, early early in the tournament and got to and, uh, so Dayton would have been favored in the first seed, and so I think we all kind of played up the the card for fun. Oh, you know, look at this underdog Cinderella story. It wasn't a Cinderella story, and it wouldn't be this time. If uh, if Syracuse were were to get in, obviously if they make the NCAA tournament, there'll be a double digit uh, seed again, and and you go and you take your chances. But uh, I would like their chances against uh, a lot of teams for sure.
0: Uh, Coach, w- w- what a, what a speaking of, you, yeah, you, we got you, Alan Griffin, Jerry McNamara. I'm to get in. out of here. It's yeah, a lot of well, star power. Let's yeah, yeah, some get someone that on. people don't, care about on the microphone.
2: Man, Hey, Matt, thanks for being on the show. You bet. Shout Appreciate out
6: to uh, my Spartans at UNCG in the tournament for the uh, third time ever. Oh, Happy wow. for them.
0: That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. And my See high school beat Matt Parks High School in the, in the high school championship, sectional man. championship. That we were even in the section championships, kind of an upset. <laughs> so, <laughs> Listen, so Matt, before you, you go, so I, y- I want bunch. you
2: to remember something. You're sitting next to Paulie. His parents migrated to this country through uh, the Statue of Liberty. They didn't go to Island. This story has grown out of
0: control. That is not what happened.
6: Through a McDonald's drive-thru.
2: They did. They were in the trunk of a car. See you, guys. Have a great day. See you, Matt. Yeah, that that that, if you missed it early on in the story, um, uh, my wife's FaceTiming me. I'm going to go ahead and take the call. Never mind. Hi, honey. We're on the air right now. Love you very much. Bye. Um, So that's out. Um, But oh yeah, she's listening to the show for sure. Why didn't you mention me yet? Uh, What 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 is it that Griff that we that we're looking for tonight as well? What what are the keys to this matchup with Wake Forest in your opinion?
8: Well, I think the key for us every year, I mean, every game, excuse me, every year, every game is to make sure that we have a defensive presence. Um, and if we have a great defensive a, a game, we can be in any game that, you know, it don't matter to the opponent. So I think one is taking care of that end of the floor. And then two, uh, I think we have a good offense. We got three really good offensive players, and we got some guys that can, you know, do some stuff. So, you know, from an offensive, offensive perspective, Uh, Just, you know, taking our time, running our stuff, and taking the shots and doing the things that we do in practice. And if we do those things, we'll be fine.
2: Any matchups that concern you in this game against Wake?
8: Well, I mean, they got uh, some really good uh, perimeter shooters, especially in Crawford, who can get hot at any moment. Uh, They got the big fella down low who, you know, who poses some threats to our zone because he's so big, and they get the ball into the high post, and they try to get it up to him. So, uh, we got our challenges on the defensive end, uh, so we just got to make sure that we do the things that we we do and we can control, especially being active on defense. If we can do that, we'll be fine.
2: Now, I grew up not too far from this bridge, and I, you know, uh, unbeknownst to you, uh, uh, <clears throat> my family has a long, long legacy at Syracuse University, I believe that the Baldwin family still has the most uh, relations that ever graduate from the school. Oh, so wow. My father, his two brothers, my mother, her five sisters, and her brother, both sets of grandparents, all went and graduated from Syracuse, and some 50-something cousins and nieces. And, oh, so wow. we're, we're up somewhere around 75 or something like that graduates from the school. Wow. Uh, so with that said, I'm, I'm very familiar with SU Sports and what goes on up there and how special it is to be – You know, a a part of that community, and and when I say that, I mean the alumni and the Syracuse family. Um, Is it is it unfair because a a smaller school that has had such success, particularly in basketball, under under the great Jim Beheim? You know, the expectation level is always so high. Does that weigh in for you guys? I mean, that, that, that the, 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 you know, people just expect you're going to the tournament, you're going to go deep into the tournament because you guys have won it before, and you've, you've been surprisingly in Final Fours that I don't think people expected you to be in. Does that expectation level weigh on you guys?
8: No, that's why you come to Syracuse. Um, you know, good players want to play in, in those expecta- with those expectations. Um, and with those expectations, you get a lot that come out of it that will help you for the rest of your life, obviously, with the you know, the alumni and the family, uh, the Syracuse family, but also too, you know, you, you, become a familiar face on TV, you know, and, uh, people get to see you. So, you know, I was, when I got out of college and I played in Europe, uh, we went to some town in Europe and it was four or five Syracuse people in the stands and that's way across the water, you know? So, uh, with those expectations, there's a lot of good that come out of that, you know, and and obviously you have a responsibility, uh, to, to uphold yourself, uh, as a student-athlete here, and, and if you do that, um, you know, these people will love you forever. Yeah,
3: man. That's cool. Coach? Gentlemen, oh. I guess I'm on, huh? You're yeah. on, this baby. Been, I've, we, been, I've been a spectator.
8: Now we got a legend on here. I'm sorry, Danny, but uh, we got the real legend no, on here. Man. No, Coach Listen, coach, listen,
2: listen, coach uh, you want to see what a legend is? <laughs> watch, watch this. Watch watch me freak him out right now. You ready? So I'm going for you people that are there, that are listening. Uh, I'm going to my phone. I'm gonna pull up some videos. I'm gonna backtrack it and find this video. Where is it? Where is it? Hang on, I got I got Coach McNamara here. I'm getting closer. Where is it? Damn it! I'm gonna pull up this video.
0: You want me to ask a question while you're? Yeah, looking go ahead and this? ask a question. Great. Ask, ask Coach McNamara <laughs> a question. <laughs> question. question. Uh, they, they got a 7-1 center. Uh, what what can and you, Coach, the big man, what can we expect out of our centers against these guys? Is it basically what we've seen all year where we just let's keep their big guys in check and what offense comes to us we'll take, and or is it something maybe we can exploit?
8: Right. Uh, you know, one, on a defensive end, uh, we have to kind of stay back and obviously stay in between him and the rim. He's a big do and uh, they do a good job of getting him the ball in spots where he can be successful so what we have to do is be there and just make him do something that he doesn't want to do you know and it sounds so simple but it's so hard because you know run different stuff and we just got to be on it Uh, we have to be active and on the offensive end we have to put him in situations where he's not comfortable and that's you know bringing him out from the rim a little bit if we can bring him out from the rim and we can get our guards attacking him, they can create offense for all big guys down, you know, in the paint.
0: And for people that don't know the zone very well, uh, whose responsibility is it for the guy at the – at the foul line that's getting the ball because sometimes you, like, as a fan you're watching it and you're like the big guy should come up but then you're also thinking the guard shouldn't allow that pass in. so whose responsibility is this it depends
8: <laughs> it, it depends the game uh and it depends on who coach says it <laughs> is whose responsibility is it but you know sometimes we, we, they both have a responsibility the guards you know kind of keeping out of the hot post but also to the bigs got to be active and under understand and use their judgment on, you know, who's in there. And that's what, you know, from a scouting perspective, to make sure that these guys are in positions to be successful. And
3: I don't think that's, that's where, you know, coach gets enough credit is how he manipulates the zone. Oh, yeah. um, you know, like Griff said, a lot of what we try to do is personnel-based, no different than man-to-man adjustments. Uh, coach has always made adjustments in the zone of how we're going to defend. Um, you know, so like when Griff says Darrell Moore, who, who has like seven or eight dunks and two games against us on loud passes, um, you know, obviously we're going to go into that game with a different mindset of where we're going to play the center, um, who's going to defend the high post. Uh, and then you get scared because of the fact that Will McKenna and Crawford are so good from the perimeter. Um, but yeah, coach is the best at it. And I think gets overlooked is we could change it. Um, you know, you see how teams will switch to how they defend a pick and roll. Uh, they'll switch uh, different different matchups of who's guarding a certain player. You know, it's no different in ours in our defense. Uh, coach over the years has done a great job of not just uh, adjusting it in game, but uh, prior to game and making adjustments, especially if we've already played an opponent. An opponent.
0: And, and another question for the lay people watching the zone: Wake Forest at Wake Forest, end of the in the second half, hit two or three huge three pointers from the corner, and that's another responsibility question. Is. Or a center question going out on that three point?
2: Are we are we wanting to ch- chuke to get out of the paint and rush that corner from from? I love, <laughs> that. I love that <laughs> name. Love that. That's, That's a great a name. Chuk. Chuk. Chuk, a, man. He's a chuke. Yeah, I love he's, that name. I like yeah. that. Uh, do, it, it, is is that his responsibility on the rotation to get all the way or out the Or the forwards? Because it seems to be that one. It seems to be that one corner that we we've gotten hit at a few times. Well,
3: I think that I think that particular game was upsetting to us because it was it was simple breakdowns. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was nothing other than the fact that like the, this should never happen. I mean, the way that happened and the way they got those threes were were really, you know, to be honest, pretty simple of what we teach every day. So uh, that was the frustrating part of it. Now. The chook, we'll uh, we'll expect him to get out to the you know, uh, and he's done an unbelievable job I think this year of, of you know I think early on it was a little bit of a, more of a struggle for him oh, yeah. because it was an adjustment. Oh, he's gaining for sure. Uh, yeah, he, he he's been to, you know he he's worked really hard with Coach and Coach Griff. And have you yeah,
2: met Coach Kane yet? Because I told
3: him uh, about Coach Kane.
2: Oh, Coach Kane is. This no, is Coach Kane coach right Coach Kane here. is the. You're Coach Kane. Yeah, I'm Coach Kane. Kane. I'm coming down now, and, right. I'm, and, I'm only, and, I'm, and I'm only going to handle the choke. I love it. I so, <laughs> love it. so Coach Kane carries one of them long Filipino whipping sticks. I like it. <laughs> and every time that ball comes below that boy's chest, I'm going to smack him. Well, you body. and I
3: have had this conversation. We can't do that.
2: No, I can coach Kane him though. Coach Kane. We're not coach allowed Kane to do Kane, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's going to get the cane. So before we go to break, I'm going to decline this call, and I'm going to ask Coach McAvoy this video.
5: Seminole's round Florida State's the champions of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let the celebration begin. No sleep till. The Dupont no. levels have won an unprecedented fifth straight Atlantic Coast Conference basketball championship. Coverage of the 2018 ACC Tournament is brought to you by IBEW NECA. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. WTLA North Syracuse WSGO Oswego W249BC Mattydale W261AC Oswego WTKWHD2 Bridgeport ESPN Radio oh, This is the Daniel Baldwin Show Live from Brooklyn Brought to you by Planet Fitness
2: Hey now, hey now. now We're back with the show We've got uh, two of the uh, Amazing Syracuse coaching staff With us Griff and Mac uh Paulie had a question but I got to tell you something. Um you know this weekend you know where I'm going to be, right? You know where I'm going. Where do I go on the weekends when I go out with my wife? Uh Delago. I'm going to Delago, man. You guys get out to Delago? No. Ooh. Legit. Listen, I met your wife with your 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 uh, son uh, your two sons and and the two of them. We don't want to let them go out to Delago without us, because <laughs> my wife will take the credit card and she will run that <laughs> up yeah. in the spa. A juice She's of good. damage. Oh my God! I get the you know I get the bill and it's uh, you know well this cream gets rid of this stuff and this cream you know this and this cream and I look down and it's eight hundred bucks. Right, I'm like eight hundred bucks on cream. Oh, I'm that like, good I put cream some, though. You I I got that some, good cream. Going to Starbucks, Starbucks, you put the cream in the coffee. You are good? <laughs> yeah. It's free. So it, 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 if you want to go have. I mean, just a, really a, a, an amazing Vegas type, you know. I mean, it's exciting. The building is brand new. The hotel is beautiful. It's Delago, man. That's where I go. But uh, you had a question that you wanted to ask. Yeah, uh, I actually have
0: two, a couple questions. You both played guard at Syracuse. I know you guys aren't running the same offensive sets with the guys you got now, but you you coach the there. There were plays run for Jerry that uh, that they're not running now. You coach the big guys. You coach the guards. It seems like the offense some to, to us takes a little while longer to get into it seems like the big man are the screens getting set pro- Like I, I remember jerry rolling off screens where craig forth would at the start of a game would lay someone out or follow him immediately it, are, are the big guys setting the screens right to, to get the offensive rolling early or is it am i just an idiot who's talks on this radio (laughs) well if you you really want me to answer that uh, uh, um i I, I
8: think um i think it's twofold. sometimes when it comes to offense uh and offense running well you know uh one especially when you're setting screens um you know the guard has to wait for the screen but also too the big has to you know like you said with craig fourth you got to lay the wood uh so to speak. So uh it, it's twofold to the offense. I I think at times our offense have been really efficient. We've done some really good things, especially as of late, uh on the offensive end and um and we've taken advantage of it sometimes because we made shots. Sometimes the ball just don't go in the basket. Uh so uh that, that's from my perspective let's let's hear the legend let's go
3: well I think a lot of times you know I've heard I've, I've heard you know for the people that are listening out there we actually do sometimes hear the things that are being said <laughs> um, you know one of the things that I well, I'm, I'm sick of I'm sick of watching the Chook just run up and, and set screens well the reality of it is just because you're watching the ball screen action doesn't necessarily mean that's what you're gonna get out of it mm. uh, I you know Griff is hundred percent right You know, it's twofold from the sense of the guard has to do their job to set up the ball screen. The big has to do their job to stay and make sure it's hit. But it also creates space for what we're really good at, which is attacking off the dribble. Um, You know, I think that's the biggest adjustment we've made as we've moved forward and progressed. We're getting to the free throw line, uh, which is where we need to get. We didn't score in the last eight and a half minutes as far as a field goal in the Clemson game, but we did get to the free throw line. And if you look, even in the last Wake Forest game where we beat him at home, he's shot 39 free throws. More away from the rim, and now we created space for paint touches, and when we got in the paint, we found a backdoor cutter in Marek for a dunk, or a backdoor cutter in Ferroche for an A1. Um, you know, so a lot of times when you elevate the chook, and you get a guy like Dural Moore out of the paint, you know, are you creating another advantage for maybe a ball, you know, reversal to the other opposite side where it's a gap, you know, that's, um, or you put the ball in Tyus Battle's hands, who's pretty good at turning the corner and going downhill, so... Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is twofold, uh, like Griff said, and uh, you know the big thing is right now our biggest strength isn't running balls, you know, down screens for shooters because yeah. we just the reality of it is it's not what we're doing right now, and uh, I think the the emphasis on spacing is the most important thing for us at this point.
2: Back in the Big East days, where I grew up and 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 really uh, got, was was at an age where I, I absorbed college basketball and how special it really is, and in particular Syracuse. I remember there was a game. uh, Patrick Ewing was playing center for Georgetown. And it was one of the, I think it was, you know, in a Final Four, the final game. And they told him. Uh, the first three shots that go up, pin him on the backboard, no matter whether it's goaltending or not. Yep. And so they put the ball up and he just, you know, the ball's on its way down. And he just jumped up and waxed it, held it on the backboard, goaltending to go. Goal, and he did the first three shots. And Thompson told him, you're going to get in their head by doing it. Now, you look at a game, and, and, and I, I want to try to understand this better. I realized that, you know, uh, Steph Curry, I was, I was uh, uh, calling a game, uh, uh, an NBA game, and I said, It's great to watch this kid. He's a great, great shooter, and he's quick, and his ball handling. uh, If he played in 1989 against the Detroit Pistons and tried that crap against them, they would have they would have jumped him so hard he because ne- he never would have drove to the basket. They would have clobbered his completely ass. Different so, yeah. a completely different era. So is there not a mixture that when I look at a game like uh, uh, coming down the court and NC State hits two, three, can't you clobber a guy one time and send that <laughs> message anymore? I mean, because I would think that you put you know somebody in the game that you could expend the foul and just take him out. Well, we don't have that luxury
8: because our bench is so short. So we can't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we try to save as many fouls as we can. Um, but, you know, getting back to it, it's a different game now. And um, the way it's been played, it's, it's played to, you know, one, highlight the scoring and, and be excited and be entertaining. Uh, whereas, two, back then in those days, it's it was, uh, you know, get after you, um, you know, team you know, defense and, uh, and, and and took a lot of pride, more pride in, on the defensive end. And they wanted to, you know, that team, that Detroit team, they wanted to physically, like, manhandle you. Uh, if you look at some of the stories with Jordan, when Jordan talked about playing against that team, you know, after that, you know, after those series, he was – Exhausted, like he couldn't move, he would sit in a tub for hours. He, you know, he would not leave his room for you know two days just because he was so tired, and it made him, you know, get stronger you know, and lift and stuff like that. So it's just a different game now. Uh, and and uh, maybe, maybe Steph, Steph is a good player. I think he can, you know, in any generation be able to do what he's doing.
3: The game's officiated differently, too. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's right. Think, think about you, you can't you can't foul somebody aggressively anymore. It's a flagrant foul. We got called for a flagrant foul at Florida State for fouling a guy off the ball. Yeah, <laughs> Frank That's Howard crazy. gets gets called for a flagrant foul. Uh, you know, because they they jump a, a passing lane and he he tries to get to the ball first and hooks a guy and they call. Get in the paint and you clobber somebody. It's just a different era. You know, you're not allowed to to be as physical. I talked to my father about this a few weeks ago. He said, imagine if when you played, even just in you know, your career, that you weren't allowed to hold and grab. And th- that's what's interesting about the Steph comment because I thought the year the Cavs beat them two years ago, they officiated the finals differently than they officiated the regular no, season. I mean, they let them play. They did. And oh, yeah. they <laughs> let them be physical, the Cavs with Steph off the ball. And I thought that was the difference in the series. So I agree with you completely. What he does now is special. I I think he's the greatest shooter of all time. I believe that. Um, But I do think it's a completely different era of how he's allowed to operate.
2: Well, and and, and please don't anyone listening misunderstand that I'm not giving him kudos where they belong. But what happens is he's so dangerous from outside and his release is so quick. That you know, he's got to be that guy that sits there and just have people throwing balls and shoots thousands and thousands of shots. Oh. That he only has to have the ball in his hand for a second, right. you know. So, so with that said, but the threat of his quickness and yeah. his ball handling makes you still oh. have to get that half step off him because he's so quick yep. that he gets that he's able to release the ball that quickly. If you took that drive away from him at 140 pounds sopping wet. When he came into the paint a couple of times and knocked his ass to the ground, he'd be more reluctant to take that take that ball to the rack. That's what I'm saying.
8: Yeah, he'd just start making 300 threes. with
2: Again, all I'm saying, though, is if you didn't have to guard against him driving too much because he was reluctant to drive, you'd be in his grill yeah. uh, from the three point line. But then, you know, then all you do is drop back and shoot up from 32. Yeah, he's incredible. He really is. It was, so, uh,
3: it's off the ball that I think is where you would have to wear him down. Yes. I thought that's where he is so good in both situations. He's so good on the ball because you're 100% right. His ability to shoot extends you and his ability to handle, you know, almost cripples you in a way where you're like, all right, well, I can't get too close because, you know, he's just <laughs> going to go right by me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guy really is. He's spectacular. He's he's as good as I've seen um, in, in this era, and he's kind of changed the way that, uh, the youth plays a little bit. I mean, it's become. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it drives me crazy, though. It drives me crazy. Some, my, some of it. Yeah. My
2: brother Billy's son Vance is a good shooter. He's a good basketball player. He's playing at the high school level now, and we go down to the Y every year. And it's now gotten to the point where he could beat me. You know, I mean, he's, he's is he, he left-handed. He's left-handed. I bet him.
3: Yeah. At camp, I believe this. Summer. Did you? Yes. So he's a good player.
2: You know, but he had never been able to beat me before, and so now, you know, now I got to get further and further out and guard him. And he's younger than me, you know, I'm 57 years old. So he gets off the dribble. And, but but it's standing at the top of the key as we're playing, and he, between his legs and he steps, and then between his legs I go, and I just stand there with my arms folded going, have are you, you going you you, to do yeah. anything with that? Have you tried I to mean, knock I
0: mean, could, him on his ass? There <laughs> Oh, yes. Are you kidding me? I hack shacked him one day. I mean, just
2: came down on him. That was a great. That's a great Charles Barkley. You know, I didn't realize that you don't say to an NBA player, and diss the guy about his basketball skills. So we're playing in Phoenix at his celebrity golf tournament. I walk up, and there's Ainge, Marley, and a whole bunch of the boys. And we come walking, and Michael and Charles and I played in a group together. And uh, Ainge yells out, how'd you shoot? I said, he was so terrible today. I could have beat him in basketball. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, they all went. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he knew I hated the nickname that he called me. He called me little Fella. And he goes, I'll tell you what, Lil' Fella. Down to the shoot around tomorrow, you and I can play a little one on one. And I went, one on one with Charles Barker, are you kidding me? Of That's course awesome, I'm going. Awesome, awesome. I got down there and I'm, you know, the rack of balls and I'm popping and I'm loose and I'm <laughs> laced up and I'm stretched out. He comes walking, <laughs> his pants are hanging, half his butt crack out, <laughs> shoes are unlaced, and he walked up and he took the ball and he goes, Go ahead and take it out. And I looked at him and I went, C B let me tell you something. I realized that you're the great Charles Barkley, and they go. But if you don't think you need to lace up, and I'm not going to run right by you, I said, I'm going to run right by you. I'm a good basketball player. Go ahead and take it out. I said, okay. I dinked him left. I took off right by him. I took my first step. Now you don't realize until you've been in the situation you guys have been that a man that size can close that lane in one stride. So he turned around and dropped step back and put his forearm between my shoulder blades and planted me into the stanchion underneath the basket with the rubber around it. Yep. I hit the thing, I hit the ground, <laughs> I'm on the ground, I looked up and him, flagrant foul, j- drilled me, and he goes, You can't foul out of a pickup game, little fella. <laughs> and I looked up and I went, every time I get the ball, he goes, every time you get the ball And I thought, Oh <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> let's, um, let's play horse. <laughs> I'm like, let's, uh,
3: game's over. Zero zero tie. Yeah. different cat man yeah. Yeah. different cat but it comes from that era yeah. comes from the physical oh, yeah. all right it's like yeah. that era. well you don't yeah. you
2: don't talk any any smack to those it's guys. Different. So he's Charles Parker yeah. no. what was they thinking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were <laughs> I wasn't thinking at
0: all uh. Uh, go Pauly. what do you got I, I was just gonna ask a question about the tournament to Jerry Jerry uh, you've been in this situation yourself where a team kind of goes into the tournament needing wins and has to put the team on its back what was that like for you first of all and then second of all is Tyus battle, or is there anybody on this team that's capable of being as great as
3: Jerry McNamara and doing that? Well, I, you know, I very similar situation as far as I think we were seven and nine going into the the Big East tournament that year that we went in, uh, eight and ten coming in here, uh, very similar. I thought when we went in, we had Cincinnati the first game that if we beat Cincinnati, we were both kind of right there, and it, it was almost like all right, whoever wins this game is going to get in. Uh, so I think we're in. in In a very similar situation, it wouldn't surprise me if we beat a Wake Forest if we're in the tournament with the work we've done. Um, You know, people will say, well, now they got to be Connecticut when they said about us in 2006, which we did. Um, And then they said, you got to be Georgetown. Yeah, and we did. And then then Pittsburgh, which we did. You know, so I think the big thing is, is, you know, what people fail to realize in, in, in that particular week is I hit some big shots, but I didn't average any more points than I did during the regular season. My teammates came to play. I think what coach did. Of being, you know, he came out. He was, you know, you know, we wouldn't have won 10 games, and these guys needed him this year. Um, my teammates played great. You know, Eric played great. D-Nick played great. Uh, Mookie Watkins played great. Terrence Wright, Matt Gorman came in, Josh Josh hit free throws. It, it takes, it takes a group effort. These guys, all of them, you know, whether it's Marek um, or Matt Moyer, Pascal, we've had the big three offensively. They've proven in different stretches that they can help win us a game. So. You know, for us to do what we, a team like ours did in 2006 uh, with this particular group down here, I think it's going to take everybody. Ty's Battle's been there all year, just like, you know, Eric Devendorf and D-Nick and, and some of those guys were there for me all year, uh, just like O and Frank have been there all year. Um, you know, we're going to need that group effort where everybody comes together and makes plays. I mean, that's that's how you get to this stage and win. You know, that's how you win in the postseason is everybody comes together at the right time. I feel like we've... Uh, you know we've we've had some some pretty good games here. Like Griff said, you know I thought we've had some really good offensive games. Our poorest defensive game was against Boston College, which people fail to realize probably give us more issues in the zone than any team in our league. Right. Regard Duke, Car- name all, name them all. Boston College, uh, you know gives us as many fits as anybody. So um, you know for us to come down here and, and and play like a team did in 06 and go on a magical run, um, it's not one individual. It might be a one or two you know individual plays that get magnified but it's it's really a team effort where where everybody contributes in, in important situations
2: you brought up something uh mac that uh i'm going to tease you with the question for you to ponder for a second when we go to break and come back and get an answer and that is this you know i look at marek and i say to myself there seems to be now as as prolific scorers both of both of you as players there seems to be just that little hesitation from him to shoot the ball sometimes to the point where they leave him not unguarded, but they slough off him so they can pay more attention to Tyus when he's going to drive or O'Shea or whatever or, or, or Howard. Um, how do we get this kid when he has that open look? What, you know, t- t- Is there a coaching technique besides telling him, and answer this question when we come back from break, like, I think he helps Tyus, and I think he helps some of the scores if he puts that ball up to the hole because it could, makes them have to be honest with him and fully guard him and not go ahead and give help to Tyus when he's coming to the basket. So I, I, I want to hear your answer to that, and we'll be back right after this. This is the Daniel Baldwin
5: Show, live from Brooklyn, brought to you by Planet Fitness. Cool.
2: Brooklyn- and we're back. And uh, you got a question for
0: Griff? Uh, you asked him a question before break there about uh, Marek. Uh, Marek. Marek. Yeah, so t- so, so, what is it you do
3: from a coaching standpoint to get this kid to, to be a little more aggressive and shoot? Well, he's continued to work with Coach Autry. Um, you know, the one thing that, that's remained incredibly consistent is their work. And, and I think when you see him take his shot now, he's a heck of a lot more confident now than he was in Definitely. the beginning of the year. He's worked really hard on that. They both have. So, you know, we saw I, – I thought that the, the Clemson game, the first half – Wreck was the difference oh, because yeah. of you know, the willingness to take that 15-footer where he took in the corner. He didn't make it, but it was shot confidently. It was right on. He was aggressive to the rim. Uh, he's always aggressive on the offensive glass, but he's a skilled and you know, incredibly smart player. Um, and when you have, you know you have the three. Those three, the, they've been there. They, you know as, a, as an opposing coach, that's what you're planning for. Uh, for So, you know, I told Matt Moyer the other day, I said, listen, if I got a, a scouting report right now on you, you know what I'd do? I'd flip the page. You know, that's what people are doing to you right now. You know, you and Rec are going to have opportunities because right now they're saying, well, they're just going to catch it and not do anything. Right. Well, that's why you've been working for the last two months on this particular shot because now when you get it, you're going to shoot it with more confidence. And, you know, when you have that fourth scoring option, it makes the world a difference, and I thought the first half difference in the Clemson game was because Marek came in there and was aggressive from that 17 foot area. I can fit him in the Coach Kane program now. <laughs> Whip up on him. I can
2: fit. I can fit him in the Coach Kane program. Okay, so so. Oh, the great one walks in the room. We're gonna sit up well, now. Sorry, the great Ed Levine just walked in I'm, the room. I'm regretting word wardrobe. Bo- that's the boss right there. <laughs> yeah, you see, he didn't come ready, Coach. Yeah, he didn't come ready. You see what I'm saying? I'm entertaining it's legendary basketball players here from Syracuse University. Uh, here's a piece of trivia for you. Last person to have a triple-double at Syracuse was?
3: He's sitting at this table. Yeah, and it baby. Was,
0: it wasn't Jerry McNamara. Yeah,
3: baby. The Griff. Uh,
2: um, almost. <laughs>
8: well, if Mac- we're going to
3: go the chook. it's got to be the Griff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the <laughs> chook. the, right. griff. the yeah. griff. That's
8: right. Uh, yeah, it, it was um
3: you know exactly
8: what. It oh was. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no! Oh, I can't remember which one we're talking. Yeah, I, I, I was waiting for this. You course. were trying to ponder yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, 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 definitely. But against Pittsburgh last home game, um, a game that we actually needed, and uh, we were playing well down the stretch. And um, actually, no, uh, no lie, I actually called it before the game. And we could call Andrew Cowie right now, who was a former walk-on. We were driving to the game, and I said, Andrew, I feel like a triple-double tonight. And, and and it happened, um, and I was fortunate enough to make it happen. I think it was like 13, 11, and ten.
3: You you think? Um, hey. I think. I, think, yeah, I, think yeah. I might. Yeah. I might
8: be. I might I be off a point. He's got a box score in, in his pocket. Roll his ankle up,
2: roll his ankle. He's got thirteen, eleven, ten. 10. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, that's
8: yeah, the
3: Babe funny. Ruth of hoop. Oh uh, yeah! Called the shot. Called
2: the shot. He it did. Was, he it, did. Was, it was
8: pretty big time.
2: We got. We're going to go to break. We're going to come right back, Paulie. Is that what you're Yeah, I me?
0: think so, and maybe Danny Shays. And we're Danny Shays
2: going to join the conversation. The big fella. I like yeah. it.
3: We're going to keep everybody. Can talk you talk you guys about stick a guy. Gotta I got go? yeah, go. yeah, go. to take yeah, off. Max got to go. You got to go too. Yeah. Good. I All was right. close. One talk time. about a center a that rebound shy. Really? The closest I got. Yeah, yeah. I've never had nine rebounds in three combined games.
8: I fought Damone Brown over the last rebound. It was a long rebound on his side of the zone, and I hear the bench yelling, "You need one more rebound." And I just started running after this ball. And DeMone was going. I was like, Mo, let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. And, and Speared answered, no, him. No, question. no question. No <laughs> question. So you knew
3: you were conscious of it when you were Oh, on. yeah. They were
8: telling me from the bench. We, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: They had the stat sheet on the bench yeah. most time. Yeah, yeah, games. yeah. And I had
8: the stat sheet in my pocket <laughs> during the game in my, in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my spandex. In <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, perfect. Yeah, that's perfect.
2: Hey, guys, yeah. thank you so much uh, for joining us. Our pleasure. Good luck. No, we're no going to be at the game. We're going to be cheering you on. And go cues.
3: No. Sounds good. Thanks, Thanks. guys. God bless you. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. Hello,
5: Brooklyn! The Salmonos win! Florida State's the champions of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let the celebration begin. No sleep till! The Dupont levels have won an unprecedented fifth straight Atlantic Coast Conference basketball championship. Coverage of the 2018 ACC Tournament is brought to you by IBEW Nika, ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. The home of the Giants. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Brooklyn. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, live from Brooklyn. Brought to you by Planet Fitness.
2: Right now, and we're back, and uh, on the line is uh, the great Danny Shays. Are
7: we down, Daniel? Baby, what's Hello. going on? What's going on, brother? The- How is beautiful Brooklyn? You're a good luck, John. We got a little technical, issues, a little so technical issue. Little
0: so, technical you want to do so what? Come on, let's do some so what. Let's do some well, so we're what. Getting the t-
2: Bring the t- me the so what, Danny. Hang on. Uh, well. We're going into so what right now. What do you got for us, Paulie?
0: Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr on Monday said players who leave college early for the NBA draft but go unpicked should be allowed to return to school.
2: Absolutely, I think that they should be able to. Isn't, isn't this what we're talking about, about Tyus uh, possibly testing the waters to see where he gets drafted? So you're going to tell me that if he does l- – listen, you cannot tell somebody in the United States – that's 18 years of age, what he can or can't do with his life. So if he decided that he wanted to become a banker and wanted to see what kind of offers he was going to get from Bank of America and then turn around as long as he didn't do anything against NCAA rules and then he says, hey, you know what, I, I've still completed my credits. I want to go back another year. What? So why? Because, he, because it's the NBA? It's just another business. Absolutely he should be allowed to be reinstated. Sam? I agree, and it also helps in the
4: because <coughs> you don't have extra talent, you know, flooding the market that you don't want anyway. I, it's it's a no brainer to me. Yeah, guys, Achiro Suzuki is nearing a return to the Seattle Mariners. The 44 year old is finalizing agreement with his former franchise. I love it. We're in the age of the Angels athlete. I'm all about it.
2: I think it's a great thing. I you know it, the sad thing is if he is he was so good. That if he falls off, he's going to bat 295 (laughs) and and, hit 22 dingers and lead the league in doubles. You know, I mean, the guy was just a phenomenal hitter. I want to know what's going on with Palmero. You know why he's trying to reinstate the clock? Yeah. So so he's eligible for the Hall of Fame, and then he had this thing going on. And it's kind of ridiculous that Rafi's not going to make it because if you look at the number of guys who have 3,000 base hits, every one of them goes to the Hall. There's only like 28 of them or whatever it is. And then you look at the number of guys that have 500 home runs, every single one of them goes to the Hall of Fame. There's only like 16 of those. And if you look at the number of guys that have 3,000 base hits and 500 home runs, there's like four ever in the history of the game. And and he's one of them. So how you keep him out of the Hall – but the idea, I think, for him was if he gets in one game, it resets the uh, his eligibility to go into the Hall of Fame, and perhaps the steroid PED thing uh, goes forward. Anyway, give me another so what.
0: The UConn women's basketball team once again thirty and oh, but they held Cincinnati to five points and a half. I want to know when we're hitting single digits for a game.
2: Okay, but 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on the so what. Did you hear the Jason Williams comment while he was? While he was uh... <laughs> I I
0: heard about this.
2: Okay, so Williams says. That UConn is uh, the women's basketball team is so good that they could beat some of the Division One teams going into the tournament, or, so, or something, something like that. They that, would
0: make the tournament. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they
2: would make the tournament. That was that. So um, I have to tell you, and, and I, don't, I don't care what you think about the statement because I'm going to tell you straight up. That is such a joke that you really believe that, not, and that takes absolutely nothing away. It is not a sexist. It is not a bias. It is a fact. If it's the same ridiculous argument of Alabama football is so good they could take on one of the two lower NFL teams. No, let me tell you something. If Alabama came out with the best team they've ever had and played a, a really bad Tampa Bay Buccaneer team or the Browns and 16, or, or they, look, yeah, there's a good example. If Alabama this year played the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns would beat them 42 to 10, 55 to nine. I mean, they would kill them. The level of having NFL guys. You know, uh, 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 at that level, it's, it's completely different. And the same thing would happen. C- w- w- would, you know, the, the UConn girls' basketball team score? Yeah, barely. Yeah. They'd barely even score. That's how badly they'd get beat. If Syracuse's basketball team, right now, in a, in a, a below average year for them, struggling on the bubble to get in the tournament, was to roll in, I don't care what floor, I don't care what, they would annihilate. The UConn women's basketball—the game is just a completely different game being played when it comes to men and women. That's why they don't play each other.
0: Want to try Danny uh, Shays now? I think we got him.
2: You tired of my my dissertation? Go ahead, let's go with Danny's. Danny in. Danny,
0: test you there? test,
2: Big Daniel. Test Any test, luck? test. Can you you got me? Uh, you're 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 on you're on, bro. Can you hear I'm me? I'm talking loud radio. too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so I got I got to ask you. We, we we just spun off. Could you hear me when we were talking about this five. last piece? Oh yeah. Did you hear? The, okay, so so there's the statement that the the uh, Jason Williams says that the UConn girls basketball team could play in the NCAA tournament against the boys.
7: Yeah, and, uh, and no. Do uh, you remember there was a big stink a few years ago where they said Serena Williams was so good she could beat the hundredth ranked man, and right the poor the poor slob who was the hundredth ranked man all of a sudden was famous. Uh, you know, after nobody ever heard of them. And, and the, the the men tennis players were like, said, get out of here. I mean, look, this, it's, and again, nothing to get, she's the most dominant woman ever, but it's just a different game. And, uh, you know, you got to love UConn, how they've put together a program there. But uh, it's just, a, as you said, Daniel, it's a different thing. You know, it's not uh, nothing you know, at all taken away from their incredible success. And uh, But, you know, look, their bigs are six four. You know, so it's not like, uh, you know, they'd have any luck inside against uh Pascal blocking shots or any college team with, you know, 6'10", 6'10", up front. And uh, the pace of the game is different, everything. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm not buying it, but great for UConn.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So we're going into uh, a game against Wake Forest, split with them, Dan, Uh, um, one-on-one. Um, uh, it's obviously a must-win situation to keep tournament dreams alive, and, and I do believe that uh, it won't be enough just to beat Wake. I think that they have to beat North Carolina also, which will be you know, one game at a time, but a, 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 tall, a tall measure for this Syracuse basketball team, but certainly not unattainable. What is your breakdown? What are we looking for in this Wake Forest game today from your eyes?
7: Uh, you know, look, I think there's no question. I agree with you 100% on both counts. Absolutely a must win. I have a 100% confidence uh, that Syracuse is playing well right now and Wake is not playing as well right now. Uh, and I just think this is a uh, you know, great game for us to win. You know, when I was hearing the coaches earlier talking about uh, the value of the four spot uh, between Dolezal and Matt Moyer, uh, that's something I've been saying all year. Our one, two, and three have been consistent, but it's not enough. And the difference makers are that four spot. You know, I've been I've been challenging Merrick Dolajai all year to, you know, to step up, you know, be confident, be aggressive, take that shot. I love Matt Moyer's athleticism and aggressiveness. You know, he still seems to be hobbled a little bit with the with the ankle and as a guy who's, you know, sprained a few ankles, I know what that's like trying to get it, you know, to to heal and rest as you're running on it every day. So it's not the easiest thing. But that four and five I think is the key. It's the difference between You know, winning and and not winning games, having that extra thing that gets you over the top. Look, every team is 80 percent good. They can dribble. They can shoot. It's that 20 percent that's the difference between winning and losing. And that's that four and five spot.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. So uh, tell me. Um, you know, we, we've been playing pretty consistent defense, Danny, all year long. I mean, there are a couple of slip-ups, but we really have. We've played aggressive defense. Our shooting percentage has been so erratic and so low. I think that has been part of our Achilles heel. And perhaps if defensively we were to look at anything, it's our rotation occasionally in that corner against a three-pointer where it's been a, a bit of a dagger against us. But yeah, I have said all along this week that if we can raise that shooting percentage, uh you know to to even you know seven eight points higher than we're doing it for the season now which and 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 believe me we're shooting you know what in the in the low high 30s low 40s as a team i mean it's, it's it hasn't been very impressive if we can do that i really think that we're poised for a run right now i have i have a strange suspicion this is another one of those teams that might come out and make a run at it
7: well what i love about this team is just that they never give up right they've They've you know they've had injuries. They've had, as we know, all the things we've talked about—the low body count, having you know, just bodies to put in there, and low shooting percentage—and they've hung in. I love that about this team, and that's the foundation of a thing that you're talking about can make a run. Here's the issue: there's a couple of big things that you know, kind of big factors that all work against Syracuse having a high percentage, and those are the things we have to key on. Number one is they focus very much on their defense, right, which takes a little starch out of their offense because their guards are you know, are working, using a lot of energy on the defensive end. It's not like their shooters are guarding the weak guy who they can rest on defense. So that's issue number one. Number two is we don't move the ball very well, and it shows up in our low assist numbers. You know, five, eight, nine assists for a game is just a low number. And as a result of that, It forces bad shot selection. You know, we're running down the shot clock. You know, we're playing one-on-one, taking shots with a guy dripping on us. In the games, we've moved the ball well, got a couple extra things in transition, running defense to offense, you know, making steals. That's where you improve your shot selection and your field goal percentage for this team. You know, and, and the last part about that is that you do have to get some offense from your four and your five, if nothing else, just to make someone guard them. Right. They were talking earlier about the you know, teams will look at the scouting report and they'll just ignore uh Ajay and Matt Moyer. And if somebody's got to guard them, they're now letting our drivers get to the rim. When we swing the ball side to side, the defenses are now rushing out and rotating out, opens up driving angles. And that ball movement is the key to get better shot selection, which is going to improve our field goal percentage. Danny, what do you see out of the fives
0: uh, on this team so far this year? And as a guy in the NBA, you, you opened up offenses for a lot of good scores in your Denver years. And are these
7: guys capable of doing that? Right now, they don't use their five at all for offense. The only offense they get is either a kind of a drive and dump off for a layup or that drive and, and that little short lob uh to Pascal Chukwu or offensive rebounding, and that's it. They never throw the ball to them uh, to generate any offense. So that's not going to happen. You know, they're just not going to be part of the offense in that way. I think you know, one of the things to, to really look at is that I, I think the thing that that's disappointed me the most offensively is the lack of production out of the high screen and roll. They don't execute it real well. It's almost more of as a decoy, but people have figured it out, so they're not decoying. And uh, they're just not able to get anything effective out of that high screen and roll. They're not looking for the roll guy and not getting much contact on the screen. So that's why, you know, the offense, you know, the bigs aren't really involved.
2: So, hey, Danny, hang in there for a minute, (laughs) will you, brother? We're going to go to break and come right back.
7: Always for you, baby. Happy to be here. Okay, man.
2: We'll be right back after
5: this. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show, live from Brooklyn, brought to you by Planet Fitness, Do you believe? My soul is prepared! How's yours? Quatrains from the Great One.
7: What is this?
5: It's time for Nostra Daniel.
2: In Brooklyn by the river, the orange must deliver. Wake, sent home in sadness, a step closer to the madness. Syracuse 79. Week force fifty-eight.
0: The Great One has spoken?
2: The Great One
0: has spoken.
5: The Great One has spoken. <laughs>